0: Part 9, page 68. There is in all small cities, and there was at m sur so m in particular, a set of young men who nibble their 1,500 livres of income in the country with the same air with which their fellows devour 200,000 francs a year at Paris. They are beings of the great neuter species, geldings, parasites, nobodies, who have a little land, a little folly, and a little wit, who would be clowns in a drawing room, and think themselves gentlemen in a bar room who talk about my fields, my woods, my peasants, kiss the actresses at theater to prove that they are persons of taste, quarrel with the officers of the garrison to show that they are gallant, hunt, smoke, gape, drink, take snuff, play billiards, stare at passengers getting out of the coach, live at the cafe, dine at the inn, have a dog who eats the bones under the table, and a mistress who sets the dishes upon it hold fast to a sioux overdo the fashions admire tragedy despise women wear out their old boots copy london as reflected from paris and paris as reflected from ponta grow stupid as they grow old do no work do no good and not much harm eight or ten months after what has been related in the preceding pages in the early part of january 1823 one evening, when it had been snowing, one of these dandies, one of these idlers, a well intentioned man, very warmly wrapped in one of those large cloaks which completed the fashionable costume in cold weather, was amusing himself with tormenting a creature who was walking back and forth before the window of the officers' cafe in a ball dress, with her neck and shoulders bare and flowers upon her head. The dandy was smoking, for that was decidedly the fashion. Every time that the woman passed before him, he threw out at her with a puff of smoke from his cigar some remark which he thought as witty and pleasant as, How ugly you are! Are you trying to hide? You have lost your teeth, etc., etc. This gentleman's name was Monsieur Bonmatois. The woman, a rueful, bedizened specter who was walking backward and forward upon the snow, did not answer him, did not even look at him, but continued her walk in silence and with a dismal regularity. That brought her under his sarcasm every five minutes, like the condemned soldier who had stated periods returns under the rods. This failure to secure attention doubtless piqued the loafer who, taking advantage of the moment when she turned, came up behind her with a stealthy step and stifling his laughter stooped down, seized a handful of snow from the sidewalk and threw it hastily into her back between her naked shoulders. The girl roared with rage, turned, bounded like a panther, and rushed upon the man, burying her nails in his face and using the most frightful words that ever fell from the off-scouring of a guardhouse. The insults were thrown out in a voice roughened by brandy from a hideous mouth which lacked the two front teeth. It was Fantine. At the noise which this made, the officers came out of the café. A crowd gathered, and a large circle was formed, laughing, jeering, and applauding, around this center of attention composed of two beings who could hardly be recognized as a man and a woman. The man defending himself, his hat knocked off, the woman kicking and striking, her head bare, shrieking, toothless and without hair, livid with wrath and horrible. Suddenly a tall man advanced quickly from the crowd, seized the woman by her muddy satin waist and said, follow me. The woman raised her head, her furious voice died out at once. Her eyes were glassy from livid. She had become pale, and she shuddered with a shudder of terror. She recognized Jovert. The dandy profited by this to steal away. Section 10, page 70. Jovert dismissed the bystanders, broke up the circle, and walked off rapidly toward the Bureau of Police, which is at the end of the square, dragging the poor creature after him. She made no resistance, but followed mechanically. Neither spoke a word. The flock of spectators, in a paroxysm of joy, followed with their jokes. The deepest misery, an opportunity for obscenity. When they reached the Bureau of Police, which was a low hall warmed by a stove and guarded by a sentinel with a grated grated window looking out on the street, Javert opened the door, entered with Fantine, and closed the door behind him. On entering, Fantine crouched down in a corner motionless and silent, like a frightened dog. The sergeant of the guard placed a lighted candle on the table. Javert sat down, drew from his pocket a sheet of stamped paper, and began to write. Javert was impassable. His grave face betrayed no emotion. He was, however, engaged in serious and earnest consideration. It was one of those moments in which he exercised without restraint, but with all the scruples of a strict conscience, his formidable discretionary power. At this moment, he felt that his policeman's stool was a bench of justice. He was conducting a trial. He was trying and condemning. He called all the ideas of which his mind was capable around the grand thing that he was doing. The more he examined the conduct of this girl, the more he revolted at it. It was clear that he had seen a crime committed. He had seen, there in the street, society represented by a property holder and an elector "'insulted and attacked by a creature "'who was an outlaw and an outcast. "'A prostitute had assaulted a citizen. "'He, Javert, had seen that himself. "'He wrote in silence. "'When he had finished, he signed his name, "'folded the paper, and handed it to the sergeant of the guard, "'saying, take three men and carry this girl to jail. "'Then turning to Fantine, you are in for six months.' the hapless woman shuddered. Six months, six months in prison, cried she. Six months to earn seven sous a day. But what will become of Cosette, my daughter, my daughter? Why, I still owe more than a thousand francs to the thénardier Monsieur Inspector, do you know that? She dragged herself along on the floor, dirtied by the muddy boots of all these men, without rising, clasping her hands and moving rapidly on her knees. Monsieur Jauvert, she said, I beg your pity. I assure you that I was not in the wrong. If you had seen the beginning, you not you would have seen. I swear to you by the good God that I was not in the wrong. That gentleman whom I do not know threw snow in my back. Have they the right to throw snow into our backs when we are going on quietly like that without doing harm to anyone? That made me wild. I'm not very well, you see. And then he had already been saying things to me for some time. You are homely. You have no teeth. I know too well that I have lost my teeth. I did not do anything. I thought, he's a gentleman who is amusing himself. I was not immodest with him. I did not speak to him. It was then that he threw the snow at me. Monsieur joffre my good monsieur inspector, just think that I have a hundred francs to pay or else they will turn away my little one. Oh my God, I cannot have her with me. What I do is so vile. Do you see she is a little one that they will put out on the highway to do what they can in the very heart of winter? You must feel pity for such a thing, good monsieur joffre if she were older, she could earn her living, but she cannot at such a, an age. Have pity on me, Monsieur Jouvert. She talked thus, bent double, shaken with sobs, blinded by tears, her neck bare, clenching her hands, coughing with a dry and short cough, stammering very feebly with an agonized voice. Great grief is a divine and terrible radiance which transfigures the wretched. At that moment, Fantine had again become beautiful. At certain instants, she stopped and tenderly kissed the policeman's coat. She would have softened a heart of granite, but you cannot soften a heart of wood. Come, said Jovert, I have heard you. Haven't you got enough? March off at once. You have your six months. The Eternal Father in person could do nothing for you. At those solemn words, the Eternal Father in person could do nothing for you. She understood that her sentence was fixed. She sank down, murmuring, "'Mercy.'" Jovert turned his back. The soldiers seized her by the arms. A few minutes before, a man had entered without being noticed. He had closed the door and stood with his back against it and heard the despairing supplication of Fantine. When the soldiers put their hands upon the wretched being who would not rise, he stepped forward out of the shadow and said, "'One moment, if you please.'" Jovert raised his eyes and recognized Monsieur Madelin. He took off his hat and bowing with a sort of angry awkwardness. Pardon, Monsieur Mayor." This word, Monsieur Mayor, had a strange effect upon Fantine. She sprang to her feet at once like a specter rising from the ground, pushed back the soldiers with her arms, walked straight to Monsieur Madelin before they could stop her, and gazing at him fixedly with a wild look, she exclaimed, Ah, then it is you then who are Monsieur Mayor." she burst out laughing and spit in his face. "'Monsieur Madeleine wiped his face and said, "'Inspector Chauvert, set this woman at liberty.' "'Chauvert felt as though he were on the point "'of losing his senses. "'He was stupefied with amazement. "'Thought and speech alike failed him. "'The sum of possible astonishment had been overpassed. "'He remained speechless.' The mayor's words were not less strange a blow to Fantine. She raised her bare arm and clung to the damper of the stove as if she were staggered. Meanwhile, she looked all around and began to talk in a low voice as if speaking to herself. At liberty, they let me go. I am not to go to prison for six months. Who was it that said that? It is not possible that anyone said that. I misunderstood. That cannot be this monster of a mayor. Oh, Monsieur Jovert, it is you who said that they must let me go, is it not? Go and inquire, speak to my landlord. I pay my rent, and he will surely tell you that I am honest. Oh, dear, I beg your pardon, I have touched. I did not know the damper of the smoke. Oh, so it smokes. Then addressing herself to the soldiers. Say now, did you see how I spit in his face? Oh, you old scoundrel of a mayor, you come here to frighten me. But I am not afraid of you. I am afraid of Monsieur Jovert. I am afraid of my good monsieur Jovert. And she said this. She turned again toward the inspector. Now you see, monsieur inspector, you must be just. I know that you are just, monsieur inspector. In fact, it is very simple. A man who jocosely throws a little snow into a woman's back that makes them laugh. The officers, they must divert themselves with something, and we poor things are only for their amusement. And then You, you come, you are obliged to keep order. You arrest the woman who has done wrong. But on reflection, as you are good, you tell them to set me at liberty for that is my little one. Because six months in prison, that would prevent my supporting my child. Only never come back again, wretch. Oh, I will never come back again, Monsieur Jovert. They may do anything they like with me now. I will not stir. Only today, you see, I cried out because that hurt me. Page 74. I did not in the least expect that snow from that gentleman, and then I have told you I am not very well. I cough. I have something in my chest like a ball which burns me, and the doctor tells me, Be careful. Stop, feel. Give me your hand. Don't be afraid. Here it is. Then suddenly she adjusted, hastily adjusted, the disorder of her garments, smoothed down the folds of her dress, which in dragging herself about had been raised almost as high as her knees, and walked toward the door. "'saying in an undertone to the soldiers "'with a friendly nod of the head, "'Boys, monsieur the inspector said "'that you must release me, I am going.' "'She put her hand upon the latch. "'One more step and she would be in the street. "'Jauvert, until that moment, "'had remained standing, motionless, "'his eyes fixed on the ground, "'looking in the midst of the scene, "'like a statue which was waiting "'to be placed in position. "'The sound of the latch aroused him, He raised his head with an expression of sovereign authority, an expression always the more frightful in proportion as power is vested in beings of lower grade, ferocious in the wild beasts, atrocious in the undeveloped man. Sergeant, exclaimed he, don't you see that this vagabond is going off? Who told you to let her go? I, said Medina. At the words of Jovert, Fantine had trembled and dropped the latch, as the thief who is caught drops what he has stolen. When Madeleine spoke, she turned, and from that moment, without saying a word, without even daring to breathe freely, she looked by turns from Madeleine to Jauvert, and from Jauvert to Madeleine, as the one or the other was speaking. When Monsieur Madeleine pronounced that I which we have just heard, the inspector of police, Jauvert, turned toward the mayor, pale, cold, with blue lips, a desperate look, his whole body agitated with an imperceptible tremor, and an unheard of thing, said to him with a downcast look but a firm voice, Monsieur Mayor, that cannot be done. Why, said Monsieur Madeleine. this wretched woman has insulted a citizen. Inspector Jauvert, replied Monsieur Madeleine in a conciliating calm tone, listen, "'You are an honest man, and I have no objection to explaining myself to you. "'The truth is this. "'I was passing through the square when you arrested this woman. "'There was a crowd still there. "'I learned the circumstances. "'I know all about it. "'It is the citizen who was in the wrong, "'and who, by a faithful police, would have been arrested.' "'Javert went on. "'This wretch has just insulted Monsieur the Mayor. "'That concerns me,' said Monsieur Madeleine. "'The insult to me rests with myself, perhaps.' I can do what I please about it. I beg Monsieur the Mayor's pardon. The insult rests not with him. It rests with justice. Inspector Jauvert, replied Monsieur Madeleine, the highest justice is conscience. I have heard this woman. I know what I am doing. And for my part, Monsieur Mayor, I do not know what I am seeing. Then content yourself with obeying. I obey my duty. My duty requires that this woman spend six months in prison. Monsieur Madeleine answered mildly, Listen to this, she shall not a day. Monsieur Mayor, permit not another word, however, retire, said Monsieur Madeleine. Chauvert received the blow, standing in front and with open breast like a Russian soldier, he bowed to the ground before the mayor and went out. Fantine stood by the door and looked at him with, a, with stupor, as he passed before her. Meanwhile, she was also the subject of a strange revolution. She listened with dismay. She looked around with alarm And at each word that Monsieur Madeleine uttered. She felt the fearful darkness of her hatred melt within and flow away. And while there was born in her heart an indescribable an unspeakable warmth of joy, of confidence, and of love, When Javert was gone, Monsieur Madeleine turned toward her and said to her, speaking slowly and with difficulty, like a man who is struggling that he may not weep. I have heard you. I knew nothing of what you have said. I believe that it is true. I did not even know that you had left my workshop. Why did you not apply to me? But now I will pay your debts. I will have your child come to you, or you shall go to her. You shall live here at Paris. where you will. I will take charge of your child and you. You shall do no more work if you do not wish to. I will give you all the money that you need. You shall again become honest in again becoming happy. More than that, listen, I declare to you from this moment, if all is as you say, and I do not doubt it, that you have never ceased to be virtuous and holy before God. Oh, poor woman. This was more than poor Fantine could bear, to have Cosette, to leave this infamous life, to live free, rich, happy, honest with Cosette, to see suddenly spring up in the midst of her misery all these realities of paradise. She looked as if she were stupefied at the man who was speaking to her and could only pour out two or three sobs. Oh, oh, oh! Her limbs gave way. She threw herself on her knees before Monsieur Merlin and before he could prevent it, He felt that she had seized his hand and carried it to her lips. Then she fainted.